Hi, I'm Tamina, gender equality activist and sales professional at a global technology company. When I graduated from college in 2017, I was struggling to figure out how adulting works. School did not properly prepare me for some of the most basic things that my young professional life would eventually throw at me. If this sounds familiar, please join me on this journey to empower young women who are, just like myself, still in search of a fulfilling, purpose-driven life. Welcome to FemHive. Hi, everyone. Before we dive into this week's episode, I have some exciting news to share. Based on popular demand, my free Personal Finances 101 for Young Professionals webinar is finally live and available to each and every one of you. If you want to learn how I was able to save $50,000 in only two years on a moderate five-figure salary and how you can change your money mindset in order to retire as a multimillionaire, then this webinar is for you. The feedback from past attendees has been incredible, so let me read out a few of the testimonials that have come my way. Elizabeth said, I found it so insightful to learn what's working well for you in terms of managing your finances, and I can't wait to put it into practice when I hopefully start working after I graduate. Brad said, you have changed my outlook on personal savings and finance. Sarah says, I wanted to thank you again for the webinar. It came at the perfect moment for me. I recently started my first real job and was going to take the holidays to figure out my financial situation now that I have a steady income. I turned on automatic deposits already and am figuring out which stock apps to use next. Jenna said, thank you. So insightful. Dimitri said, Thank you so much, Tamina. This was eye-opening. Wow, I'm so glad that this webinar has been so useful for quite a few people already, and I want the rest of you to benefit as well. So if you want to take control of your financial future, head over to femhive.com, all in one word, and sign up for my free webinar. I would also love to hear from you, so tag me at femhive.com dot hive on instagram while you're watching the webinar and let me know what your biggest takeaways were happy watching and now let's dive into this week's episode enjoy Welcome back to the FemHive podcast, everyone. On today's solo episode, I am covering a topic that I wish I had known about much earlier than I actually ended up finding out about it um, after I had graduated from college, which is the importance of having credit history and constantly improving your credit score. If you are based in Europe or somewhere else in the world outside of the US, you might ask yourself, Hey, Tamina, but I know credit scores are only important in the U.S. Why should I care? Well, let me tell you, you should. No matter where you are in the world, having a solid credit history where you can prove to to banks and lenders that you are a responsible borrower is always a good idea. Yes, it is true that... Um, Having a good credit history is very, very important in the U.S. specifically. But uh, on top of how all of that works in the U.S., I'm also going to cover how um, it works in Germany and in the United Kingdom. So stay tuned for that. But let's maybe start out by addressing the importance of having a credit history. As I was just saying, having a credit history really helps you to prove to banks and other loan providers that you can borrow money responsibly and paid back on time. 
you get a better chance for loan approvals overall. You have approval for higher loans when you have a good credit history. Um, some landlords even look into your credit history. So if you're looking to rent a home, a good credit history definitely helps. And you can also get better car and, and homeowner insurance rates. But the most important factor when it comes to your credit history is the fact that people with higher credit scores or a better credit history they qualify for the best interest rates on credit cards and loans. So maybe let's take a look at one specific example to make it a little more tangible. Let's say you have a 1% lower interest rate for a mortgage just because you haven't been prioritizing building your credit and you have a significantly lower credit score than you could have had if you had paid more attention earlier on. So A 1% lower interest rate for a mortgage, let's say for a $500,000 house that you have a 30-year mortgage for, you could save more than $200 a month just by having a 1% lower interest rate, which would mean that for the 400K uh, loan, because usually you have a 20% down payment, right? So that would be 100K already. So on the 400K loan that you have, you would pay eighty to $100,000 less just because you have a 1% lower interest rate because of your better credit score. And if you think about it, you know that I'm very passionate about the topic of personal finance and investing specifically in order to grow your, your wealth over time. If you had those additional $200 each month and instead of wasting them on the mortgage, you would invest that money instead. Over the course of those 30 years, that's how long your mortgage is going to last. If you invested that money, you would very likely have more than $200,000 through your investments. That's like half of the loan that or more than half of the loan that you applied for for your mortgage. So that's definitely something to to think about. And yeah, again, I only found out about the importance of having a credit history in my early mid-20s after I'd graduated from college. But that's why I wish I had started building my credit much earlier. So if you're still younger or you have younger siblings or friends, I would really encourage you to recommend to them to open an account, like a credit card account, for example, as soon as they turn 18. Um, I know that there are special credit cards for students or college students specifically. So by the time someone then leaves college after, let's say, four years, they will likely already have a pretty good or even a very good credit score. And that can definitely help them when they want to buy a car, for example. Again, as I was mentioning, some landlords look into the credit history as well. If you are trying to to purchase a home sooner rather than later, in your early mid-20s, then having a very good credit score and based on a longer credit history that you started out once you turn 18 will be very, very beneficial. So as you might know, if you're based in the U.S., there are three main credit bureaus, Equifax, Asperian, and TransUnion. And they're in charge of collecting, analyzing, and dispersing information about consumers um, in the credit markets. The credit score that you can have in the United States ranges from 300 to 
850, and so you can kind of refer to your credit score as your adulthood GPA. The higher your score, the better. And getting to the 850 is really tough. I'm not gonna lie. Um, that's usually only possible when you've had a really, really long credit history, you know, where you opened your accounts many, many years ago, and you've proven to to um, the credit card companies or the banks that you are very responsible and that you always pay pay the money back on time. So I wouldn't worry too much about getting to those 850 right away. Anything above 800 is really, truly exceptional. And that can certainly be or should certainly be a long-term goal for you. But um, a good score already starts at 670 and ranges between 670 and 740. Um, between 740 and 800 is considered a very good score. And I think when you open a credit card and you consistently pay back and are not late with your payments, it's definitely doable for you to reach a very good credit score, let's say within like two to three years, I would say. At least that's how long it lasts for me. I think right now I'm somewhere around 780 and hoping that I can get to the 800 within the next two years. But yeah, I I didn't know about it. Again, I opened my first credit card account, I think at age like 23 or 24. So um, it's definitely not too late. It's better late than never, as I would like to say, when it comes to anything that's related to personal finance. Um, But there are some some rumors, some myths about what actually has an impact on, on your credit score. And obviously, the most obvious one is making your your payments on time i think that's a no-brainer um that's the the biggest factor i think like 35 percent of your credit score is based on you making payments on time um so that's really really important there's one myth about always like carrying a, a a statement balance on your account as in you don't always fully pay off your entire statement balance and and that's a myth like I want to debunk that you should always pay off your full statement balance and that will definitely positively impact your credit score and then another highly debated topic is the topic of credit utilization Um, I've done a lot of research on 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 this topic and um, the the consensus seems to be that you should always keep your credit utilization below 30 percent um because if you max out your your credit utilization and let's say get to like 80%, 90% or 100% of your credit limit, then um, that is a signal to, to credit card companies and, and loan providers that you're not very responsibly handling your accounts and that you might even live above your means. So um, definitely make sure that you keep it below 30%. So let's look at an example. Let's say you have a credit limit of $3,000, for example. So you want to make sure that you never utilize more than 30%. So never spend more than $1,000 for that one specific credit card. Um, So that's a very hands-on example there. And if you feel like that you don't have enough credit, that your credit line is not high enough, you can always apply for for a higher credit line when you get a new job, for example, that comes with a raise or you get an internal promotion, that's usually like a very good argument um, to make. It does help in the US at least to have multiple accounts because it shows that you can 
manage multiple accounts at the same time responsibly and pay back, you know, different different credits um, each month. But one thing that you should look out for is to be um, careful with opening too many accounts at the same time because the older your accounts are, the better. Um, as new accounts lower your average account age and each application actually also causes a small ding in your credit score so we want to we want to avoid that so um, the typical recommendation is to space out credit applications yeah let's say about six months apart I would say longer if if possible Um, obviously I know sometimes there are certain like life events like I don't know a wedding buying a house buying a car um, children where it's a bit impossible but try to at least be a little strategic about it Um, and then you might also have gotten a credit card when you're younger it might not be like a reward card for example because um, few beginner credit cards have uh, rewards attached them unless you have a really really high income from the get-go so you could be thinking about potentially closing those credit cards but that's definitely something um, I would advise against you should always keep your old credit card account open you don't necessarily have to spend a whole lot but when you close it and that can definitely have a negative impact on your credit score so um, make sure you 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 don't close them And then there is also a way for you to check for mistakes on your credit file. I think once a year you can request um, your credit credit report from any of the three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian and TransUnion, as I mentioned earlier, um, to see if there is maybe like a mistake that was made, um, like one credit on your file that wasn't wasn't initiated by you. Mistakes can always happen, but that's a great way to keep keep a closer look and make sure that um, no mistakes are happening that could negatively affect your credit score. Um, Yeah, and then I also wanted to share like a little hack um, that I've heard like some friends use and this is in relation to the credit card or credit utilization that I was mentioning earlier. So obviously (laughs) credit card companies want you to almost max out your credit line because then the chances of you actually having to um, pay them interest because you're not able to make the full pay the full statement off on time is a lot higher and unfortunately credit card debt is very high interest debt like usually like 20 22 percent above um, so that's very high interest debt so they really benefit from you um, carrying a balance over a long period of time um, but if you are able to always pay off your full statement balance on time, then what you could try playing around with is to start using your credit card like a debit card so you can earn your awards, like I don't know, miles, for example, um, and use your credit card for almost everything, but then make a payment for the full amount right away. So you pay it off right away. Um the credit card companies usually check your credit card utilization once per month. So um, once you've gotten a feeling for when that might be, like what day of the month, then you can you can play around with that and, and try to trick the system a little bit. Um, 
because that could obviously benefit your your, your rewards program, but um, also ensure that you're not utilizing too much of the credit that you have available. And there's other people who, instead of making one payment for like the full statement balance that they have occurred over one um, statement period, they make two or multiple payments per month to also ensure that they keep the overall uh, credit utilization low. So that's something that um, that I will certainly try. I don't keep a, a, a high balance on my credit cards unless I, I travel or book an Airbnb in a you know, pre- and post-COVID world. But um, that's definitely something that I would try once I have higher balances on my credit cards again. All right, so much for the United States, which is going to be like the main main uh, country that I will be covering today. But as we have a very international audience and a lot of folks sitting in, in Europe, I wanted to make sure to also briefly address two other countries, Germany and, and well, not a country, United Kingdom, multiple countries, but you know what I mean. So let's start with, um, with the UK, because it's somewhat similar to the United States. There, they also have three main credit reporting agencies, which are the same ones as in the US. So it's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Um, however, within each of these three credit agencies, um, they have actually different different credit scores in the UK. So for TransUnion, it's up to 850. For Equifax, it's up to 700. And for Experience, up to 999. I know, super confusing. I have no idea what the logic behind that is, but it's just how it is. Um, so for TransUnion, a good credit score would be somewhere between 781 and 850. For Equifax, it would be between 420 and 700. And for Experian, it's somewhere between 880 and 999. And um, similar to the US, you know, how often you apply for credit, how much you owe, and whether you make payments on time is going to have the biggest impact on the credit score. Um, in the UK, however, a few things that I also found very interesting that that's a bit different compared to the US is that um, actually being on the electoral roll has a positive impact on on your credit score and credit history. Really, really interesting. I'd never heard of that before, but um, yeah, maybe also encouraging people to, to go vote, which is a pretty good thing. Um, and then something else that is maybe a little bit different compared to the U.S. is that they discourage people from moving around a lot because apparently that can trigger some potential fraud. It's better if you've been living in one place for a longer period of time. I personally disagree with that because especially as um, you know, younger people, we tend to move around a lot uh, in an increasingly globalized world. Um, I think we are all encouraged to to move around. Um, cross-cultural intelligence is becoming more and more and more important. So we'll see if that's going to change um, over the next couple of years. But that's just something that um, I've come across during my research. So that's the UK. And then Germany. Um, so Germany is a little bit different. Like the main credit card reporting agency there is called Chufa. There are some other smaller ones there, but Chufa really seems to be like the the, the big company over there. Um, and there you start out with like a credit score of 100%. So they look at it in terms of percentage. And then once you start building credit, it drops over time, which is kind of like counterintuitive because it should like 
increased, right? Uh, but there it, it drops. And um, a score in the 90s is really, really good, considered pretty good. Um, 97.5% is considered exceptional, but like as long as you're above 90%, you should be fine in Germany. Um, and unlike in the US, like in, well, income is also important in the US because the higher income, the the higher your credit line is likely going to be. But in Germany, I really keep close tap on what your income is and like what and what um, like what the balance between your 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 credit and your income is. Then they also look at how frequently you switch jobs, similar to kind of like the moving around example from the UK. Um, they think if you switch jobs too frequently or if you are on probational periods because you start a new job very frequently, then that could potentially hurt your credit score because it indicates that um, there is no consistency. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, overdrafting your bank account is also being taken into consideration. So um, especially the um, what people in Germany refer to as the zero account. Um, so make sure you don't overdraft that. And interestingly enough, a phone or internet contracts can also be taken into consideration when it comes to your credit score. Um, and instead of having like multiple smaller loans, it's also actually better to have one big loan. I think that's also a bit different from the United States where you're oftentimes encouraged to have like multiple um, multiple accounts open so you can prove that you're responsible handling multiple accounts, but that's just a bit different in, in, in Germany. Um, switching banks too frequently can also have a negative impact and that kind of aligns with the UK example of moving around. Again, Germans apparently really value um, consistency. So if you're switching banks too often, um, that could also indicate potential fraud and could, you know, trigger some sort of an alert with uh, Shufa. And then, and this is also opposite of what the US model would recommend, um, they actually recommend that you cancel credit cards that you don't need. So there the, the length of your credit history doesn't seem to be as important as it is in the US, where again, they don't recommend that you close your old credit cards, but in Germany they do. And interestingly enough, unlike in the US, where credit checks can happen without your approval, in Germany you definitely need to consent to a credit check being performed on on your persona, on, on your um, own account. So that can really happen in the US at any point in time whenever there's a triggering event happening. But in Germany you actually need to consent to it first, which I guess is a good thing because um, I think it benefits the individual consumer at the end of the day. So, yeah. I hope this was really helpful to y'all. Again, this is something I wish I had also learned in high school and definitely in college, but I didn't. And um, again, I think it really benefits you in the long run, especially when you think about your medium and long-term goals of owning a house or making bigger purchases, such as a car, like thinking about raising a family at some point in the future. As I pointed out with the with the 1% example, you can really save a lot of money when you have a, a positive credit history and a high credit score. So make sure you get on that as soon as possible if you haven't already and make sure that you also educate the people around you. Again, I was clueless and I'm, again, a privileged white girl um, who was very well educated and I had no idea. So do yourself and your loved ones a favor. Talk about this and make sure you start building your credit. 
And that concludes our show. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Since this podcast is a free resource to you all, I would really appreciate it so much if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and shared FemHive with all the women in your life. The more reviews, subscribers, and downloads we have, the more amazing guests I'm able to invite and the more value I can give back to you. So trust me, this is in your own best interest. I would also love to hear your key takeaways from this episode. So please tag me on Instagram or DM me and follow fem.hive for more adulting tips and inspirational content for female young professionals. Make sure to also check out femhive.com for more valuable resources. I hope you tune in again next week. Until then, take care, ladies.